This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for January 28, 2024. The title of the message is Blessed Peacemaking. Now, if you would open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. We continue in our series. We're coming near the end. We have a few more, uh, all the way to uh, verse 12 there. But this morning, we're going to look at verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. If you have a different translation, you can follow along in the bulletin or the slide behind me. Before we hear God's word and the preaching of it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for his help in our for our understanding. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you uh, with our Bibles open. Lord, as a symbol of the opening of our hearts to your word, uh, through your word, because of your word. Father, would you bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Would you send it forth by the power of your Holy Spirit to penetrate deep into our hearts and into our minds to saturate our lives so that your word would go forth and it would not be rendered void void without accomplishing all that you uh, ordain it. Lord, would you be with me as I uh, proclaim your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Would you use it for your glory? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May he add his blessing to it this morning. During a a visit many years ago to my in-laws in North Carolina, uh, my in-laws, the the little neighborhood that they lived in, they had a holiday party where uh, each home would, would, they would open their home and they would visit one another's homes uh, with, uh, with a light reception, with punch, or, or food, snacks, refreshments. And I remember going to uh, one of the neighbor's houses and get, trying to get to know uh, the couple. And uh, I was talking to the lady, and she told me that she was, how she was originally from West Virginia. And, and, uh, and what was interesting is over the course of our conversation, she mentioned she was a descendant of the West Virginia Hatfields. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. She goes, of the Hatfield-McCoy feud fame. 
And, uh, and so she shared with me how she had grown up hearing all the stories of the infamous family feud uh, and how her family had come to it. And later on, I realized that, uh, that it's so infamous that the Hatfield-McCoy feud uh, became uh, associated and, dis- and it would come to describe any and all bitter family feuds and rivalries. Uh, very much like the Capulets and the Montagues of Romeo and Juliet. They embodied that deep enmity that we see uh, between two hostile parties uh, throughout human history, including, in many ways, including the hostility that we have with a holy and righteous God. That the, the Hatfield and McCoy feud was a microcosm of the enmity that we have with one another as human beings because of our sin, as well as the enmity, the hostility that we have with God. And that the only solution to that hostility, that enmity, is reconciliation and peace. The only way to bring an end to that animosity is by making peace, by being peacemakers. And that's what our passage is about. This morning, we continue in our series through the Beatitudes, and we take up the blessedness of peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that that a characteristic mark of God's kingdom people is to be peacemakers. And in doing so, they show themselves to be the children of God. And so Jesus is calling us then to be peacemakers through the gospel of peace that makes us children of a peacemaking God. Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers through the gospel of peace that makes us children of a peacemaking God. So let me unpack what that means. First, we are called to be peacemakers because of our need for peace. If it's blessed to be a peacemaker, that it implies that there's, there, there is peace to be made. And it implies then that there is no peace. It implies that there is hostility between parties. And so peace needs to be made. And this is what all the Beatitudes are about so far, right? There's a list of the characteristics of God's kingdom and of its people, right? They show Jesus is showing us the character of the blessing of the kingdom of God. That includes a poverty of spirit, um, mourning, meekness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, mercy, and those who are pure in heart, and then leading us to that characteristic of the children of God, the sons of God, peacemaking here in verse eight. So what is peacemaking? Peacemaking is when someone, uh, when one party, a third party, uh, not, not the warring parties, reconcile enemies and make them into friends, right? It's when someone brings two parties who are at war, right? They are, when they are at war with each other and helps them to be at peace with each other. 
Those who hate each other now come through this peacemaking process, come to love one another, to be at peace with one another. Now we think of peace uh, normally as the absence of hostility, but in the Bible, peace is so much more than that. This is, the, this is the idea of shalom that we see in the, in the Old Testament. It's a comprehensive lack of animosity that opens the way towards a positive relationship of peace, of blessing, of love, and of joy. A harmony, if you will, right? It's not enough to to, to uh, not be disharmonious, but to have a harmony of relationship uh, when there was none before. And so maybe the, the way to put it as succinctly as possible is that it's turning enemies into allies. And this is the underlying truth of verse 8. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because the world needs peace. The world is filled with animosity, enmity, hostility, and war. And why is that? Because the world is fallen in sin. The world is cursed by the enmity of sin. And we see this in two ways. The world is, is at enmity because of sin because we are at enmity with God because of sin. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, we all fell into sin in them and through them so that when they sinned, those who should have been allies, those who should have been worshipers and loyal to God, betrayed him by falling and succumbing to the temptation of Satan who would try to usurp, who would try to undermine the lordship of God. And so as R.C. Sproul would describe sin as cosmic treason, as a cosmic betrayal against an infinitely pure and holy God. And in sinning against him, we took the other side and therefore becoming enemies of God. Guilty, guilty of sin under the penalty of his divine justice, deserving hell and judgment. And this is why Paul says in Romans 8, 7, that because our, our minds and our, our, our lives are fallen in sin, we, our minds then is set on the flesh, which is hostile to God. What this means, friends, brothers and sisters, is that there is no neutral relationship with God if, you know, after the fall. That, that apart from God's grace, we are enem- enemies of God, and God is, enemies, is an enemy of us. And so what that means then is that we don't, our natural inclination is we don't want to acknowledge God. We don't want to worship God. We don't want to follow God. This is, this is why atheists, and I gave this uh, 
this quote a few weeks ago uh, with um, Thomas Nagel is that he's an atheist who doesn't believe in God because he doesn't want God to be real. That he has skin in the game if, there, if, if God does exist. That he is accountable to this God for his life and for his actions. And he doesn't want to be. So the way that he does it is he sticks his head in the ground and says God doesn't exist. And that is, that is the inclination of all of us. R.C. Sproul uh, tells the story of giving a lecture at a well-known prestigious university uh, to, to the atheist club. And he describes it this way. He says, the disposition of their hearts, he's speaking to the atheists, the disposition of their hearts was one of hostility toward God. The problem was not that they didn't know God or were indifferent toward him. Their problem was that they hated God. I told them I was willing to discuss proofs for God, evidences of the resurrection, and so on, but that in the end, they were dealing not with an intellectual problem, but a moral one. It wasn't a lack of evidence that they didn't believe in God. It was because they didn't want to. And so this gives, uh, this has a lot of explanatory power as to why, why so many people reject the existence of God, as well as the God of the Bible. We are not only at enmity with God because of our sin, but as a consequence, we are enmity with one another because of sin. Right? After the fall, the horizontal hostility with God carries over into our vertical, I'm sorry, our vertical hostility towards God carries over into our horizontal hostility with one another. And this is why when Adam and Eve fell into sin, they sewed fig leaves together. Not only did they run away from God, but they hid from each other in shame. See, sin is what makes us hostile, not only to God, but to each other to a greater or a lesser degree. Sin is why we hate people uh, who are different from us. Why we get angry when we feel slighted. Uh, when we bear grudges, when we feel wronged. Uh, when people don't treat us the way that we think we ought to be treated, we treat them as enemies. We're going to get them back for what they've done to us or what they didn't do for us. Uh, sin is why things like murder happen, why nations go to war, why families feud, why marriages end in divorce, why children rebel against their parents. So the question is, how do we make peace in the midst of the enmity, the hostility that arises because of sin? And this brings us to my second point, that we are called to be peacemakers because we are reconciled by the God of peace. This is the truth that grounds this whole idea of peacemaking. Like God's love or forgiveness, we can only be peacemakers because God has first made peace with us. That we are peacemakers because God is the great peacemaker. 
He is the God of peace who is peace, who brings peace, who gives peace, who is peace himself. This is, the, this is uh, what theologians would, would call the, the extension of the glory of God in the, sh- the, the shalom that God has within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The relationship of, of glory is a relationship of comprehensive peace and harmony and blessing among the, 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 the persons of the Godhead. And so to have the, this life, this glory of peace, it comes then as an extension of the life of the inner trinity that he gives to those outside of the trinity. And this is why in John 17, Jesus prays for the inner intra within the Trinity, the life of within the Trinity of peace and glory being extended to those in need of it. He says in, in verse five of chapter 17, and now Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed uh, so that they might have life. Or 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. In the same way that God is love, he is peace within himself. And it's not just who he is, but it's also what he does. The God of peace is a God who brings peace and harmony to everything he does. And he does this through First and foremost, the gospel of peace. After the fall into sin, God gave the first promise of the gospel in Genesis 3.15. And uh, amidst the enmity now that has occurred between him uh, and Adam and Eve and and their their progeny, all of us that would come afterwards, he declares then, Because of that hostility, the way that salvation is going to come is that he is going to break and destroy that enmity by bringing enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent, and in doing so, the seed of the serpent is going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. And in it is going to come peace. You see, the promise of the gospel is that this seed of the woman, the Messiah who is to come, is going to reconcile enemies, Adam and Eve, so that then they would become uh, redeemed and into beloved uh, friends and and children of God. He's going to, to end the enmity by bringing peace. And this is what he does in the sending of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace through the gospel of peace. He did it by taking the enmity of our sins, the wrath of God, the penalty of God, the punishment of God that you and I deserve because of our sins. Jesus takes it upon himself so that we might have the peace of God. Paul puts it this way, amen. Paul puts it this way, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. If while then, verse four of of, uh, Romans chapter five, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, peace is the consequence of the action of reconciliation. So when we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you and I who are born enemies of God, now once and for all by faith because of what Jesus has done in making peace on the cross of Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. Do you know this peace? Do you stay up at night wondering if you were to to die at any moment? That if you were to stand before God on judgment day, that you knew that you were in a right relationship with God, that you were reconciled to him, that you have peace with God, and that God would accept you and receive you into his bosom, into heaven itself? Or are you unsure? Are you unsure that you have peace with God? That if you were to die and stand before God, you don't know what he would say? Friends, if you don't know what God will say to you on that judgment day, you do not have peace with God. These are sobering words. You do not have peace with God if you are unsure. And if you do not have peace with God, then he will turn you away. He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You will receive the just judgment of a holy God because you are at enmity with him. But through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled to him. This is the good news, friends, the good news of the gospel, that you can be reconciled. You don't have to be an enemy of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus took that enmity so that you can have peace with God and you can be loved by God. You can be accepted by God. Yea, even adopted by God, embraced by God to be friends with God. So that then, on judgment day, you would know for sure that God would accept you because you have peace with him. Amen. Amen. So in light of this wonderful truth of Jesus, the peacemaker, who gives us peace with God, uh, how do we then become peacemakers uh, as a result? We are called to be peacemakers as children of a peacemaking God. In other words, he calls us to be peacemakers in the image and the likeness of his peacemaking. Right? Uh, three, there's three aspects of this. First, we speak words of peace to those who are enemies. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Right? By sharing the gospel of peace to those who are enemies of God, just as we once were. And this is what God's people have always done throughout the ages. Paul says this of Jesus. 
For Jesus, he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, so making peace and might reconcile us to God in in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. And so if Jesus made peace, peace with us by preaching the gospel of peace to us, then now peacemaking begins by sharing the gospel of peace. That there are people who don't know the peace of God. They're enemies of God. And so you ought, so one of the most important ways that you become a peacemaker is by pointing them to the peace that they can have with God in the gospel. The second aspect is we must also then make, make peace by doing uh, our best to bring reconciliation between uh, hostile parties. In other words, our, our job as peacemakers is to turn, help to turn enemies into friends. Because God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, we can then turn and reconcile others who are enemies and turn them into friends. And how do we do that? By speaking God's words of peace into any given situation. A soft answer turns away wrath. Uh, to, To call out sin as lovingly, as gently as possible, to invite people to repent, to ask for forgiveness, acknowledge what they've done, and to call the other party that's offended to extend forgiveness and to reconcile the hostility and to renew that relationship so that they're no longer enemies, but they're friends. And how do we do that? It means that we love our enemies so that other people can learn to love their enemies, to turn the other cheek, not to live by the eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, but to, to love our enemies to go the extra mile, uh, to confess our sins and to, to forgive one another, to reconcile and to renew relationships. In other words, to act out the grace of God uh, from what we know of the gospel of peace. And third, the third aspect is we are called to live in peace with those around us. Jesus calls us to be at peace with one another, Mark 9.50. And Paul instructs us, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12.17-21. This means peacemaking in our marriages, in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, uh, in our nation, wherever God calls us to be. We apply that peacemaking principle of loving our enemies, turning the other cheek, forgiving sins, and accepting one another. Because Because God is the God of peace. 
And if there are those who, where, where oppression and injustice and, and wrongs have been committed that are unrepentant, if someone wrongs you and they, they are never going to say sorry, because of the gospel, we can turn the other cheek rather than fighting back. Why? Because justice is going to come, but not at our hands. But, at, but, but vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If it doesn't happen in their lifetime, it's going to happen on Judgment Day. That where he is going to judge and reveal every sinful deed, every sinful thought, every sinful word. He's going to bring judgment and justice to it. And therefore, we don't have to. And we can live then as peaceably as we can, even with our enemies and those who would persecute us and hate us. Because that's what Jesus did. When he hung upon that cross and they were taunting him and mocking him, uh, calling him names, laughing at him, after falsely accusing him to where he is being hung upon the cross, experiencing the shame of the cross, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was asking for peace even for his own enemies as he hung upon that cross. And that is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to be sons like the son, to be peacemakers like the peacemaker. You see, friends, brothers and sisters, just like love is the hallmark uh, of Discipleship, right? You will know them by their love for one another. Uh, peacemaking is the hallmark of the children of God. Because the world needs peace and that the God of peace gives us peace through the gospel of peace, through his prince of peace. When we make peace in a hostile world, people will know that we are taking after our Heavenly Father who brings peace through the gospel and they will call us sons and daughters of God. So may, may, may we show the world the peacemaking God as we go out into the world and even, even among ourselves here and make peace in the gospel. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the great privilege and the blessing of, of being peacemakers because you have made peace with us in the gospel. Help us to live out the, the grace, the truth, and the, and the reality of, of our peace with you in the gospel. And may we extend it to all those around us. And may we be called uh, children of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.